All right. Welcome to Out the Box Talks. I'm your host, Krill. We are live for another special episode. I want to give it up to all of the listeners, all of the viewers, all of the people that are out there tuning in to Out the Box Talks. I thank you so much. We've been doing a lot, you know, recently with the podcast, with the video shows. And as always, I love to have a special guest with me, man. So I have a brother here today that I've been definitely following for quite some time. He is definitely no stranger to the authentic hip hop scene. And I, I stress that word authentic, you know, um, representing out of Maryland, right? DMV area, you know, um, has a new project out. It's called What I've Been Saying. It's new, but sort of not new because it's made of like tracks that he's released in the past. So without further ado, man, I want to introduce our out the box audience, brother Substantial. What's up? Peace, peace. What's going on, family? Thanks for having me. <laughs> All those sound effects. Oh, thank, you. thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes. <laughs> How you doing, sub, man? How's everything with you? Yo, all things considered, man, um, all is well for the most part. You know what I mean? We we dealing with the the state of the world like everybody else, but um, I got my help, uh, knock on wood, and, uh, and so does most of my family, so trying not to complain too much. You know? Indeed, indeed. How about you and yours? Yo, thank you for asking, man. Same thing, okay. man. Maintaining. I'm out here in New York just, you know, one, one step at a time. You know, grateful to Please. still be healthy, you know, yeah. so just... One day at a time, my brother. Indeed. So, as always with these interviews, I like to first start by, you know, giving the artists an opportunity to kind of speak about what got them started in hip-hop. So, tell the people out there that may not know, like, what uh, made this hip-hop career a reality for you? Yeah, I mean, for real, man, I was just a fan, you know, um... Like a lot of folks just grew up around the culture and um, seeing different things. Of course, it was a bit different, um, you know, being in Maryland versus like New York. Uh, but, you know, I would see different parts of the culture, whether it was a uh, graph, because I, I used to write, um, you know, for a high second, wanted to be a B-boy. <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, and then, um, you know, I beatbox, uh, still beatbox and uh and uh and dj as well for a brief uh, period of time too so i was experimenting with all the elements but um rhyming you know all the homies were freestyle and stuff i would beatbox with different folks and then as i got older um uh, even though i would jot stuff down um my voice started to change when i hit high school and you know like most people we'd be at the lunchroom table just getting it in um and we were singing uh or like rapping other people's songs but when my voice changed, people just start saying things like, yo, you sound better than some of the dudes whose songs you sang. And, um, and you know, man, these were legends whose stuff I was saying. So, um, you know, when I started getting that compliment uh, for my voice, you know, it definitely made me start to consider maybe I could do this for real. Um, you know, I, I really didn't have a major desire to make it a thing. Initially, it was just really the homies. It was like, yo, go like, you know. Um, and I'm pretty sure we all grew up around people like, man, you know how it is in the hood, like with uh, your homies got jokes, they clowning you about like a lot of stuff. But occasionally, man, you have that that moment where they're real supportive about a particular thing you uh, you're dabbling with or trying out. And so um, and so I took my lumps like most folks. But when it came to the rhyme and they were like super encouraging, like, yo, you should do something with that. Mm. And, um, 
yeah, here we are. You know what I mean? Dope, dope, dope. You know, when I think about you, I can't remember the actual year, but mm-hmm. I remember your project Home is Where the Art Is, right? Yeah. And I just remember this was like the surge of like, cats like odyssey and mm-hmm. i feel like mellow music group was really just starting to kind of start bubbling as a label like talk yeah. to me a little bit about your history like in terms of you know that dmv area like did you connect with a lot of the cats like like i know on that album you had odyssey mm-hmm. you had ken star you had right. a lot of those dmv area cats that a lot of us really respect today you know that's checking for the underground like, what's your relationship with those guys? Like, did you did you cross paths? You know. Yeah. So, um, you know, we all came up uh, in, in PG. I didn't necessarily uh, know them when we were um, when we were all you know youth. But like, uh, I left I left Maryland probably like ninety seven to go. Um, I lived in Brooklyn for about ten years, where I went to college. I went to Pratt Institute up there, um, and um, while. Like after um, I left school, um, you know, I was doing my thing um, in the scene there, was starting to travel a bit back and forth to Japan um, when I was with Hideout Productions. And then when I uh, left that label um, and was doing a lot of stuff with Q and 5 Music, um, occasionally, you know, uh, I had like a crew of dudes who were from uh, from PG County. Uh, We used to go by UV and uh, they like a lot of them were living in um, New York. And so, man, we would travel around the country, hit up different festivals, uh, you know, shout out to Scribble Jam. I don't know if folks remember that joint, but we would go out to Scribble Jam. And then one year we wow. went, uh, we saw some of the brothers from Half Tooth uh, Records. And I, back then, Odyssey was on Half Tooth. So was... Um, Wordsworth. And, yeah, yeah, Wordsworth was on there. So shout was uh, Ken Star. And so uh, that was my first time meeting uh, meeting a man. Like, it wasn't it wasn't in Maryland where we were really? from. Really? You know, yeah, it was crazy. Like wow. we just happened to meet at the joint, um, and so uh, we we chopped it up. You know, like we were um, me and the homies I was with just to see some dudes from the area, man. Like out the gate before we even really heard the music. Once we knew they were legit, I mean, it was a rap. It was just like, yo, you got our support forever because you're from the area. So, and um, so yeah, man, that was how we linked, and we just kind of kept in touch from there. Whenever they would come in town and do like a show, like some of the smaller gigs before uh i really took off we would just show up just to show support you know what i mean some pg dudes from uh who were living in brooklyn trying to support some other pg dudes you know what i mean and so um uh we kept in touch i ended up um moving back to uh moving back to the area but instead of living in pg i was in b-more reconnected with odd and we started working on music you know and um and so when the deal came through he helped me uh, get the deal with mellow uh we worked on the project um you know, I was a fan of Ken Star. I used to rock his shit all the time. Wow. And so I was like, yeah, man, let me go ahead and uh, like see if we can get home. You on the track, too. And um, of course, Kokai is on the record as well. He a DC legend, Grammy nominated, super MC, rock star, like dudes, everything, man. That's the, uh, my big bro. So we had him on the record and, um, you know, and then shout out to Steph. She's a vocalist uh, from um, from Maryland um, who we actually went to high school together. So. Yeah, man. Whenever I would do a record, um, that's part of the reason. Like on my first album, there's no uh, there's no real guest appearances because I was recording it in Japan and I wow. couldn't get any of my folks on the album. And so because I couldn't get my folks on the album, they were trying to get me to work with some folks out there. And I did some songs with people. But I was like, yo, 
if my dudes, my dudes can't be on it, <laughs> you know what I mean? Ain't nobody wow. on this joint. It'll just be me. And so, um, and then after that, you know, wow. I started working with folks like, uh, like the guys we were talking about. So yeah, man. Who did you know prior to, to New York? Cause that's really uh, interesting. I would think you knew Odyssey while you was back in Maryland, but yeah. Yeah. Nah, <laughs> not at all. Yeah. Um, Probably before I left, um, I had met I met some of the folks in the um in the DC scene um back when uh this venue called State of the Union was open. So there was a crew called Amphibians. Um uh, shout out to the homie um Joey Too Fresh, uh, rest in peace to his brother Philly. Um uh, was uh my man Boogeyman Ghost. Um I had met some of those brothers just by like checking out local open mics uh then um back then this was man like late 90s something like that um but yeah man it was it was uh it was a lot of folks that man like you you really you really got to be digging in the craze uh, craze real deep to, to know these brothers you know what i mean i still got their vinyl uh in the back but like those were some of the people i knew and even then like i kind of knew them from afar because i was you know i was a youngin uh compared to some of those brothers um just watching them do their thing um you know, but I knew uh, the homie T. Luke is who I just did a project with. Uh, we knew each other and um, and some other local artists that maybe folks might not be familiar with. So I really. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, Inner Loop, uh, my man, DJ RBI and folks like that. RBI is a local uh, legend as well. One of the best DJs from the DMV. Um, so I knew people like that, man, like where if you spend enough time in this region, you dig through enough credits from this region, you would see some of these brothers names. But. For the most part, people really weren't hip, but people like Asheru and a lot of other folks like uh, my man Priest and Nomad and all of these folks, they're people that I didn't meet until I left home, <laughs> you know wow. what I'm saying? Or, and then eventually came back home um, and reconnected with them. So, um, or not reconnected with them, but connected with them for the first time. So, Dope, yeah. dope, dope. You know, there's a line on your album, the past is always present. Um, the past is always present in the future. Let me get the title mm-hmm. correct. Um, where you start off the first verse and you say, um, the home of Tubman and Douglas, name a rapper better from MD that does this. Mm-hmm. And when I thought about that, I had to think about my experience with MCs from the DMV area. Like, mm-hmm. in terms of my experience, I've never really heard a DMV artist that you know, does music that's like whack. You know what I mean? Like it, the music is always saying something, right? right. Um, there's always some type of, you know, substance in the music, right? right? right. And it, it made me think about that. Like when we think about great ancestors like Harriet Tubman and, and um, Frederick Douglass and their connection to that city, like, do you, do you feel like, that has an impact on the mindset of some of the MCs that come out of there, like just that 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 history. Yeah, I, so you know, hip hop, whether people like it or not, like has always been political, right? Like Q Tip said this, and and then the quote, my man, um, uh, the quote, my man Kokai, like you know, I had him on my podcast, and we were talking about, uh, you know, how people from this region just like are very aware of politics and what's happening in the world. Like, you know, we're, we're, we're right here, like either in or right around the nation's capital. So it's like, 
seeing local politicians, probably knowing politicians, you know what I mean? Like, you know, you'd be surprised who some of us have just kind of rubbed elbows with on the humble. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, um, so it's you're very aware of what's what's happening in your neighborhood, but also like um how that's impacted by what's happening um maybe in the city in general, your state, and all of these different things. And I feel like a lot of the brothers I came up with were just always like really aware um of what was going on. And that uh, and that's a credit to some of the uh, the older heads that we came up under, you know, whether uh, whether we're talking about some of the folks in our family or just like dudes we knew around the way. And I mean, you know, it's not that it's it's kind of like that healthy balance of uh, of street life. Right. Like with uh, with, uh, you know, a little bit of knowledge yourself as well, but a good balance of it, like, you know, like not too ignorant, <laughs> you know, what I mean, but at the same time, not so self-aware and so so uh so conscious that you turn people off it's just like and dudes from this area real chill it's like you know you got some folks turn up get wild too but like but i feel like people from this area have a very uh laid-back demeanor um compared to like places like new york of course um and uh and other spots so it's like it's just a lot of different things at work and um yeah, man, it's kind of hard to explain it. Now that's a good you know. that's a good breakdown. That's a good breakdown. Right. I was just saying that I, me personally, I'm sure there's probably like ratchet MC rat, ratchet oh, rappers, right? Oh, but yeah. in terms of my experience, it's been overwhelmingly like positive and you know uplifting and stuff. And sure. I, and even some of the bigger artists that are from here, same same deal. Like you'll get they they I feel like, like they, a Wale uh, or yeah. Yeah, a good majority of YBN Corday, Wale, um, IDK, even brothers like that who are more a uh, little bit more um, or a lot more mainstream than than uh, folks like us, of course. Um, you listen to their record; it's a it's a lot of balance on there. You know what I mean? Definitely, definitely. You know, it's interesting as as your your name is substantial, right? Because like I just say. Mm-hmm. It's like synonymous with substance. Like I've, mm-hmm. I've, and I feel like this, this compilation, which we'll talk about, is so fitting for your career, because the title, what I've been saying, has been you. You've right. always had a level of integrity in terms of, you know, your music, what you choose to say. It's always, the messages have been generally inspirational, uh, generally dealing with real life struggle. Mm-hmm. Talk to me a little bit about um, what inspired you to have such a moral approach in terms of your music and, and what's kept you in that vein. Yeah, I, I guess, you know, I think it has a lot to do with the company um, that I've kept. Right. Like, um, you know, my my I would say some of the folks in my immediate family, we didn't necessarily grow up like, you know, super conscious or anything like that or woke, uh, so to speak. But like um, but the people I spent time with outside of my um, outside of my home man, uh, shout out to the Hall family, um, you know, those are the first uh, the first family of folks that I met that who were five percenters. Um, and then I spent the summer like out in Cali, um, in San Diego, staying with my uncle, uh, my uncle who was Muslim, um, at a really young age. I think I was like 11 or 12 mm. and just spending the summer. That was the first time, like, you know, me living like with a, uh, um, like a male figure, like, a, a male role model, so to speak, 
um, just solely with that man learning like directly from them. And so like making me aware of my, um, you know, my physicality, my health, um, eating right, like, you know, reading, like he wouldn't allow us to watch TV. Like he'd do different things like where he'd adjust the TV. So it was blacked out. So we just listen like that's yo, that's all we did was listen. And if I got in trouble, um, you know, and I got in a lot of trouble, <laughs> he didn't beat us. You know what I mean? Like uh, we get the talk and then, yo, like he basically would say, if I can't train, if I if you won't allow me to train your mind, then I'm gonna train your body. And so he never beat, he never beat, uh, I was out there. I think my nephew, uh, yeah, my nephew was out there with me. And so when we get in trouble, yo, push-ups on our knuckles, no matter where we were, he'd wake us up seven o'clock in the morning every day, make us run a mile. You know what I mean? I was asthmatic. Like, you know, um, yeah, man, like, dude, like I, those experiences. And then later, uh, meeting the guys when I was, uh, like maybe, uh, 14 and, um, in the gyms, they, they gave me, and then like, my mom, because it was just her after my pops died, um, and then my sisters and my brother was in and out the house. So to just kind of have um, a certain foundation, she would always send me to, um, she would let me stay with different friends. And all of the friends that I stayed with, the one thing um, that was really different about their household, um, as opposed to mine, was they all had men um, in their homes. They all had either their fathers or stepfathers who were present. And um, it's not something that kind of clicked until I got older when uh, when my homeboy's father started passing away when I was going to all these funerals. I just realized it was like, yo, my mom was only really letting me spend time with the homies or stay at homies uh, at like my friend's cribs or whatever, who basically had fathers there. And um, and so, you know, like that subconsciously has an effect on you. You know what I mean? It, it like you you get a certain amount of responsibility. Um, you understand, like, I just started to understand really young, the power of my words. Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah, man. And I just, like, I did, I never, I'm like outside of battle rapping, you know what I mean? Like I knew, I knew words had power outside of just kind of tearing people down. And so, um, you know, and a quote that I live by now, it's not a quote that I found when I was younger, but like much, uh, much older, uh, that I feel like is really the motto, um, and the quote is, uh, be the person you needed when you were younger. And so, you know, knowing that, like seeing that quote and understanding my path and all of that, like you can't, I can't be out here reckless. You know what I mean? Like just, you know, I think sometimes people look at it as weak when a person is, is not just kind of quick to say anything. Right. Oh, he ain't real. He ain't real. That ain't how he really feels like. Yeah, I might feel a certain way, but just because I feel a certain way, um, you know, like I, I don't have to express it that way. It's wild that people don't look at that as emotional, but that's what emotions are. Right. Like you feel it. You react a certain way. You didn't take time to really analyze why you felt that way. Your response and how that's going to make these people you're dealing with um, feel like what your relationship with these people are. Um and so that's just something I'm super conscious of, man. And um, and I just had a lot of good people around me, um, from my friends to artists I've collaborated with. People always kept me accountable. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I just said it uh, on my live, uh, my last live online show. Uh, part of the reason why I'll say, um, you know, and I know this might offend somebody, but part of the reason why I'll say like faggot in my rhymes, right? Like um, a homie uh, who wasn't gay, right? Like heard it. Um, I said it in one of my battle raps. I ended the rhyme like that. And he was just like, yo, why do you do that? 
And I just looked at him sideways. I'm like, what you mean? It's a battle rap. I'm talking, you know what I mean? I'm like, I'm just talking trash. And he was just like, yo, you know, like, how would you feel if a certain group of people who weren't black was like, nigga, 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 all in their joint? And I'm like, oh, that ain't the same. And he was like, yo, to them it is. And like, it was a heavy conversation. And what was really powerful about it is the fact that this wasn't somebody who like identifies as gay. This was just the home, like, you know, um, it was the first time that I like really kind of had that type of conversation with uh, like something just my man wasn't even 20 like mm. yo the wisdom this dude had at like 19 mm. so yeah man being around people who just had a a, a wider scope and they were kind of ahead of the curve you know what i mean like a lot of this stuff that isn't okay now um you know like i had homies around me back then who was telling me it wasn't cool and then you catching you catching hell for being different and <laughs> trying to trying to be better and um you know, just stuck with my guns, man. Like, cause that day you gotta at the end of the day, you gotta live with yourself. So, you know. Indeed, indeed. Wow, that's well said, man. It 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 if anything, it shows me that you're a good listener. Like, I feel like as MCs or just artists in general, we get to a place where not all of us, but some of us get to a place where we become so well known that mm we're not open to critique, you know, um, right. and to the fact that you have that moral backing from, you know, elders that you came up putting that information on to you. And then you could actually be open to a fan. Like that's dope. Like mm-hmm. I, you know, to, I, I hear a lot of uh, rappers or a lot of artists say things like, you know, I do, the, I do the music for me. I do it mm-hmm. for what resonates with me. But this is a whole different side. It's like, you know, I'm also open to critique and that can mm. change, you know, how I deliver the music. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I appreciate it. It's it's, you know, it all kind of um, like when you think about growth and this is a conversation that, again, a, a old conversation, I, I feel like for me and some of my peers, that is a conversation that's happening a lot right now. And that's when we talk about growth. Um, and discomfort, right? And how those things are linked. And, you know, and I've just had a lot, and I'm not, you know, I'm not, none of us are perfect by any means. I'm just, I'm aware of my flaws. And and rather than just saying like, yo, F it, like, this is me, you know what I mean? Love me or hate me, rather, you know, like if I, if I see it as a flaw, right? And I know it's a flaw, then it's my responsibility to work on that thing and try to better myself uh, before I check out. You know what I mean? Um, Because we see our flaws in our children, too. You know what I mean? Like, there's certain things your kids will do that, like, when you see it, like, yo, it's making you crazy. It's bothering you. And you're trying to put your finger on, like, where that come from. And then one day you're doing something and then it clicks and you're like, gee, oh, my God. Like, whole time she get, (laughs) you know what I mean? She get it from me. And so, um, and so, yeah, man, it's, it's things like that. Like, yo, my daughter, when she was like, Oh my gosh, it wasn't even 10 yet. Um, I was at the dinner table and um the homies were there a couple days before. And uh we just I had leftover like beer or something in the, the fridge. So I just cracked the joint open, sat at the dinner table with the family, and, and I'm just throwing it back. And uh, my daughter was just like, she's like, Daddy, alcohol bad for you, right? And I was like, I mean, <laughs> you know, it's messing with you because you're drinking. And I'm like, I mean, yeah, you know, technically, yes. Um, then she was like, then why are you doing it? She's like, it's kind of like drinking poison, right? Like, why would you do that? 
Yo, my kid wasn't even 10 when she said this to me. Wow. And like, yo, I ain't had a drink since, bro. Wow. I ain't had a drink since. You know what I mean? So it's, you know, uh, it's one of them things, man. It's, uh, yo, like we're responsible for our own growth. And like, you know, it's, it's an uncomfortable process sometimes, but, you know, that's growth. You, you got to grow. You know? Wow. Yeah, it speaks to your adaptability, mm-hmm. which, you know, a lot of people have pretty much said in their in their ways, you know. Tell me mm-hmm. a little bit about the quote that you said always kind of reminds you of your younger self. Like, where did you get that quote from? Oh, man. Uh, I'm, I'm going to look it up. Uh, what, you would, uh, what was the quote? You, what, what would you oh, say like to your be, younger self? Uh, right? was it? Um, be the person you needed when you were younger. Exactly. You know what I mean? And I forget the sister's name who said it. I actually first saw the quote uh, from one of the homies. Um, one of my homies in B-more had posted it on his page and I reposted it. Um, and then one day I dug a bit deeper and figured out um, this the sister who said it. Um, I forget where she from, um, but I'll look it up before we before we dip because I definitely want to make sure I give her her due. You know what I mean? But um, but yeah, but that quote, man, was powerful, you know? Shout out to Warpath. He's been commented. He said, it's so hard not to respect this man, one of the wisest and most admirable people I know. Wow. Big ups. Big ups. We got a few comments here. Shout out to Joe Sewell Music. So much history. Thank y'all for tuning in. Oh, man. Those are the homies right there, man. Uh, Those are uh, supporters. (laughs) You know what I mean? Oh, Uh, that's what's up. Yeah, man. Shout out to them. Appreciate y'all. Beautiful, beautiful. So yeah, sub. So I definitely um want to talk to you about this this compilation project. What okay. I've been saying. Tell me how this project came to be. Like what it, what what was the whole intention for this? Yeah, man. Um, obviously, you know, like a lot of brothers, um, been uh, I've been deeply affected by a lot of what we've been seeing um over the past few months, uh, which really has just been hundreds of years of the same, <laughs> you know what I mean? So um, uh, I had a lot of thoughts, but then like one day I just had like this realization, um, you know, because like a lot of people in these moments, uh, you are inspired by what you're seeing, what you're hearing, what's happening to you, what's happening to people that look like you. Um, and so it affects your writing. It's kind of hard not to uh, write what you're feeling in these moments. And so, um, you know, I had this moment where it's like, yo, you know, I was getting ready to kind of change the direction of several things I was working on. Like, yo, we bought the, like anybody hit me up right now. This is what I'm talking about. Like, you know what I'm saying? A uh, white producer hit me up as quick as the, the rides are popping off. Like, yo, just understand this about the, I'm about to say some things, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, and so anyway, um, you know, but then I had this realization. It's just like, you know, uh, it's not it's not like I'm saying something new, right? Like whether it's new for me or it's just new in general. Like this is just what I've been saying, what a lot of people has been saying. Like we've been telling you, yo, they are trying to kill us, dog. Like they are literally out here killing us. And you bringing up, you know, black on black crime, like like whites don't kill whites, like Latinos don't kill Latinos, like Asians don't kill Asians. That murder's about proximity, dog. Like, you know, the numbers are the numbers across the board. So like, but people just people aren't listening. 
so we end up in this this cycle of like people having to say the same thing over and over and over again and so i basically took a step back and rather than trying to rush to put this whole project together um i made these two songs one was a, a instrumental um called uh a requiem for all black lives um shout out to malcolm jackson um playing uh he's a percussionist who plays on that and then um and then uh the 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 title track what i've been saying and um and after i made those i was like yo i'm good i'm about to dig up a whole bunch of tracks from my catalog that like truthfully get get kind of skipped over by a good amount of my audience that like you know and i'm just basing it off the stats right like looking on the plate like this song doesn't get streamed anywhere near as much as these other songs that are kind of lighter topics and so um that's why the last long of the title uh, the last line of the title song um title track says uh um it was like uh this moment feel different i hope it stick but i'm just saying what i've been saying on songs you skip you know what i mean so um you know so that's like kind of motivated the decision i had a lot of these collaborations i had done as well that i knew a lot of my fan base wasn't aware of um because i don't really see a lot of them talking about those particular tracks so i'm like yo let me throw all these joints on there and just kind of force people to to confront these music on uh, this music because people are asking me questions hitting me in the dm asking my perspective on all these things and it's just like and you have a moment where it's like young i feel like if you've been listening then you would already have these answers you know what i mean so why i gotta say it again just just put these songs out <laughs> put these songs back out you know, and that's kind of where it came from, you know. Dope, dope. I'm so glad you you referenced that last part of the verse, right? Because mm. um, I thought about, you know, this whole idea of what I've been saying, right? And, you know, it brings up the question in my mind of how important is the reminder? The mm. saying, this is what I've been saying or this is what we've been protesting give value to affecting ultimate change like is giving that reminder still impactful i think i think it's important because we live in a we live in an age where people love discrediting other people right people love discrediting people more than they love giving people credit and so you know like i'm i'm a person that i'm not out here to be petty you know what I mean? And act like I need your confirmation and stuff like that. But before someone step, like I'm not gonna wait around for someone to try to challenge me and act like I haven't been doing doing my part. So I'm gonna just go ahead and say it <laughs> before before you stupid enough to bring it up and ask the question. Um, you know, and I feel like there's a lot of artists, um, a lot of artists uh, who in this moment are seeing a surge in sales and all of these different things because the world's hurting. And they tired of they tired of listening to like party music or, or stuff like they can't party right now. All they can do is really kind of just look at the world burn and, and try to process how they feel. So they, they're some, while some people still party, like folk don't always party. Right. Um, there's some people who just need a bit more substance right now. And like and there are a lot of artists like me. I'm like, young, you ain't got to go out here and try to do something new. Just stick to your guns. Keep doing what you've been doing. Just keep saying what you've been saying. People circle back around, you know, um, and this ain't new to hip hop. It's it's always been a part of the culture, um, you know, for a very long time. And so it just 
depending on what's happening in the world depends on when people kind of cycle back to this music if everybody feel like we all good for a minute then they party right who was it um it was uh what's my man name uh from poor uh my man from poor righteous teacher uh poor righteous teacher wise intelligent yes wise intelligent uh mm -hmm. he wise intelligent had a uh a video i feel like it was from some years ago where he was talking about what was on the radio and what was on the radio at the time where we ride it where we uh where we kind of said enough is enough mm -hmm. right um and how like uh at one point in time i think it was uh, like in the early 90s when we when the la rides happened he was saying like one of the top songs in the country was fight the power right and then like yo fly uh fast forward when um what's my man name um in new york uh who was shot um day before his wedding um sean uh, was sean bell? sean bell yeah yeah sean bell so sean bell when he was murdered was this car was like shot, shot like 50 times or something crazy like that and like and he was pointing out that he was like number one song at the time was lollipop he was like that happened we knew what happened no one rioted right like folks there was some protest but the world for the most part just kind of went on business as usual and so he was just kind of talking about like the effects of the music and how like you know depending on what people are kind of taking in at the time will sometimes like trigger certain responses or will kind of just leave us like you know like people not acting and so like just kind of talking about the importance that the music our art all of these different um things connected to our people the importance of all these things and and why sometimes you see major corporations kind of do what they do to, to keep us from getting a lot of that because our response is very different when we're listening to things that very much have our minds like in a different place as opposed to asleep you know what i mean mm. Do you do you feel like I I, I want to say as a result of uh, the tragic um, incidents where we where brothers like um, you know George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and you know Ahmaud Arbery unfortunately lost their lives to like police brutality and you know this ongoing fight of racial injustice. Um, like I feel like there's been a resurgence of like hip hop, you know, talking about these issues. Mm -hmm. Do you do you do you foresee like real change to come about through the actual music? Like, do you foresee more artists, you know, taking that stance that you've pretty much taken throughout your whole career? Um. Yeah. I as definitely... a result of what's going on right now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I definitely feel like there are a lot of people who are um and and I'm, you know, I can only speak to the the folks I meet, right? I've I've toured, I've been, you know, I've been blessed where I've gotten um, go around the world doing this. And you know, I've met people from like folks who are like super active in their communities, um like, you know, organizing different things like shout out to uh, my man um uh, uh, my man Elgin out in Chicago, this brother is a community organizer, right? And like, uh, you know, when I go out there on tour, do shows, he'll have me like up in the, um, <laughs> up in uh, like Cook County uh, Detention Center, like doing a writing workshop with, with like, you know, with folks out there, like, like um, 
doing like a show the day before raising money for the program. And so like meeting somebody like him, I got to meet him in Japan of all places. And then like being able to build once we got back stateside and and being able to have conversations where they talk about like the influence that or the impact that your music has had on them and the work that they do. And um, and, you know, and you I don't think I do it. Because, uh, you know, I do it because I'm just trying to be honest with myself and put my best, uh, you know, put my better self out there and show people, share my process and my progress. Right. With folks. But the reality of it is. People like him and many others who share their stories with me, it lets me know the power of this music, because I don't think that he. I don't necessarily believe that he wouldn't be the brother he is without like my music, right? Because he had strong people around him too, but folks like him and folks like so many others talk to me all the time. Just saying that like, man, like brothers like you and a long list of other dope artists, whether we talk on Asheru and so many others, um, uh, what's it? My homies, uh, at next level call it artivists, right? That's what they call them. Uh, activists slash artists. And, um, yeah, man, like, you know, a lot of folks are, are, are telling us and credit what we're doing um, as motivating them and inspiring them to do more. So, yeah, I definitely think you're going to see see more and more folks rising up. And even when it's not in the forefront, man, like the dope thing about about like this elite group of artists that, and that I'm blessed to kind of walk amongst is what makes us different too. like, man, we ain't just rapping. You know what I mean? Like, we're, you know, like, <laughs> I keep it a buck with you, man. It's rapping shit cute and all. <laughs> but at the end of the day, bro, like, you know, we like the brothers I'm mentioning, like, we're really out here in the community. Mm. You know what I mean? And then look, and I know a lot of, I know a lot of socially conscious rappers and stuff who, like, yo, they talk, they talk that shit, but like, they ain't, they ain't out here, bro. Like, mm. they ain't, they really not out here. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you can't be doing, like some of the stuff like the amount of stuff they're doing getting the amount of press that they're doing like like i ain't gonna say you can't but a lot of them it's pretty difficult to to do it's it's difficult to balance it all out yeah and i'm I'm an artist that for the most part kind of flies under the radar and that's largely because like man keep it a buck with you like i love rap i love hip-hop more than a lot of things right but yo like trust you know what I mean? I, I have like multiple skill sets. So like, you know, like I've been a hustler since I was a youngin. I was I was going to find a way <laughs> one way or the other. You know what I mean? And rap just happened to kind of open a lot of other doors. But man, I'm out here. I've been working in education 20 plus years. I done built like studios around the DMV to help, um, you know, kind of open up doors for the next generation of artists. You know what I mean? Like I've been teaching the last five years at Omega school teaching music business classes and stuff to the next generation of like uh, musicians and, and sound men and women. And so, you know, like in a long list of other stuff without trying to um, toot my own horn, man, just, you know, we, like, and there's so many other artists like that, that they really, they rap about this shit because like that, yo, that's their life. Like that's what they really out here doing. Like they, mm-hmm. they actually care. And, and there's a long track record where it's like, it ain't gotta be posted by like pitchfork ain't gotta be writing an article about me or a lot of these brothers and sisters who doing this work all you gotta do is once you know our name do a google search you know what i'm saying and put that joint with like uh you know um 
youth work or schools and this, that, and the third. And you can see it. It's a different type of it's a different type of fight, man. Like, so there's actual there's actual action behind the music, behind the words and, and all of that. Like, you know, it has to be a healthy balance of both. Otherwise, like what you're saying don't really like, you know, definitely it's, 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 it's empty. Well said. Talk to me a little bit about how you got into the education field. <laughs> Rap. <laughs> really? Rap. Wow. Yo, in real life, man, I came back, uh, what was it? I I think subconsciously it was kind of always a part of my journey. Like uh um, you know, I was when I was a young and when I was in school, I was staying after kind of volunteering to help out with programs at school and stuff like when the middle school kids were looking at our high school because our high school was a, a performing arts school and then i was selected by the program to be like one of the high school kids that would go to the middle schools to um, help recruit so i was just always like the little youngins like i was always put in front of the little youngins to kind of show them <laughs> you know i was put in front of them to just kind of show them what the next step could be and so that stuff was happening and I never thought of it as education or like youth work. I just was doing it because I initially I was I thought I was doing it because I needed community service hours. But I, like I actually liked it. So um, so then fast forward when I got to New York, um, you know, I was still doing my music thing. Uh, I went to Japan after I got my deal with Hideout, rest in peace to Nujibes. Um, I got my deal with Hot Out Productions, so I went out there, recorded my first album out in Japan for like some weeks, came home, um, did some stuff locally, went back out toward Japan. And then when I got back um, from Japan, like I would do these shows. And when people started introducing me, they're introducing me different. They're like, yo, this brother, you know, like worldwide doing the, you know, they sicing it a little bit. And so when I would do these shows because of the type of stuff I rapped about almost every venue I performed in, whether it was a poetry spot or a hip hop joint, there were always teachers, always teachers in the room. So I would get invited to their schools and um, like they, they would basically say, come through. I want you to talk to my students because yo, you're very different than a lot of rappers that I'm sure they listen to. And some of the ones I know. So just come through, holler at the youngins, talk to them about what you do. And man, I, the first time I did it, as quick as I was getting ready to leave, they were like, hey, man, you ever thought about doing more like work like this and coming, you know, coming to the school, work with the kids? And I was just like, not really. Um, but after going to be guest speaker at a bunch of different schools uh, several times, man, like nine times out of 10, some a higher up at the school would offer me a job or try to talk to me about doing some type of program because of um, the level of engagement with the young people that I had every time I would go through. Wow. And, um, and so, yeah. So then, man, I just started wrapping my head around like developing some like hip hop programming and stuff like that. And PS 150 in Brownsville, that was the first school where I really, like I've really kind of made my mark, man. Out here uh, in Brooklyn? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Brownsville, man. I was and that's out. not no, that's not no, you know, Brownsville nah. is not a neighborhood that's, Nah, you know, bro, a like, walk in the park, you know. Yeah, you talking like, about the hardest of the hards out here in New York, yeah. Yeah, man. And so, and that kind of became my thing uh, throughout my career, where I would basically, um, like, my career in education, um, I worked like primarily with like at risk youth. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, so like schools like PS One Fifty in Brownsville, like that joint was so rough. 
um, the building where they would train us was actually um, Boys and Girls High School. They would train you over there. Four days you would be in Boys and Girls, like just there. The, um, and then they wait till Friday when the program was usually a little more dead to finally take you over to PS 150. Because a lot of people would quit um, that school as quick as they started, dog. Like most people would not make it. And I wow. ended up being with that program for like at least three years, something like that. Yo, um, I don't mean to stop you, sub, but uh, we have yeah. Mr. Chur. He said substantial. Can you see the comments on the screen by chance? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let yeah. me, uh, he, I haven't been looking up. Yeah, that's my man. Ah, that's my man. That's yeah. dope. He's Did you see that? Yeah, man. Yeah, says, I went up to his school in Pennsylvania. You know what I mean? Um, the work with his youngest aunt. Yeah, that's the homie, man. Great. That's a great brother right there who does a lot of um hip hop education too, man. Shout so yo, he's he's giving you your just do, man. Like this ain't if, if anybody ever, you know, wondered if if Sub is telling the truth, like you got somebody right here saying that. You know what I'm saying? He motivated you to create hip hop songs with the students. So that's dope. Man. Yeah, that's power. And that brother, man, he's doing, yo, like he's doing great work. Like he's one of the leaders of hip hop education in the area he's in. So I'm honored, man, that, uh, you know, that like to be even a small inspiration uh, to any of them. But like, yeah, man, he's a great dude, man. Shout out to Chris, man. Go ahead. Continue, man. I just wanted to bring that yeah. up for you. <laughs> No worries, yeah. man. Yeah, I hadn't been looking down at the comments. I appreciate you for bringing that uh, to my attention, though. No but, uh, but yeah, man, I, you know, um, that like throughout my career, like I just would get a lot of, uh, oh, man, now you got me looking at the <laughs> I appreciate it. No but uh, um, yeah, man, I just uh, throughout my career would, um, you know, get these opportunities to do different things and uh, like work at different programs. Um, and you know, man, I, it, it was dope because it was still very much rooted in hip hop, right? Like I didn't have to, I wasn't going in places, um, trying to be something I wasn't, you know what I mean? Like, even if I did <laughs> come in there, man, like I like coming there a little different, I come in with like a tie, but the tie matched like my sneakers, you know what I mean? Like I was finding a way to put my hip hop edge on whatever. Cause I wanted to show the youngest too. I'm like, look, I know you got a lot of folks telling you like, you got to be something different in order to be successful. Like you can't be your authentic self, like almost like you got to erase some of your blackness, right. Or like, or some of that, that edge that you got because of where you from in order to make it. And it's just like, nah, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And you can still be educated and still be very much rooted in this community and, and um, and be a reflection of that. And so, um, so, you know, I, whenever I had the chance, man, to go in these communities and do it, I did it. Um, whether it was back in PG where I'm from, um, doing programs like, you know, I take like a, po a portable studio, set it up like 10 p.m. at a, a um, community center that they would keep open all night and then teach kids like how to make beats and how to write rhymes and record and stuff for like several hours. And was driving like all around PG, some of the like nicer neighborhoods and some of the roughest neighborhoods, you know what I mean? Middle of the night, just teaching youngins how to make beats and rhyme. And then like... <laughs> still going on tour and still doing everything else, you know, but like, yeah, man, it's, I just feel like, you know, we, we, there's no one way to kind of fix these problems and not everybody is required to do, to try to work all parts of it. Right. Like it doesn't mean you gotta do what I'm doing and be a rapper that talks about this stuff in order to be authentic, like, you know, be your authentic self. I ain't, you know, 
not everybody good with, good with kids so stay your ass away from the kids if you some trash when it come to that you know Especially, what i mean but like, yeah but if if that's your gift uh man share it you know what i mean like you know our gifts aren't just our gifts aren't just for us right like our gifts are our gifts for for the people so mm-hmm. you know does your history you know as an artist or as an mc help you to connect better with students yeah definitely um i had a teacher when i was at suitland high school uh it's a performing art school she was my drawing teacher and she used to um she never said the quote to me but another one of her students who later became a teacher uh, said her favorite quote was um the world is a stage right or not necessarily her favorite quote but a quote she would say is the world is a stage so when i go in that classroom like you know you might not like how it sounds but i'm putting on a show i'm performing because i don't always want to be here i don't always you know but part of being a professional is like regardless of how i feel i gotta i gotta put on this face sometimes uh it doesn't mean that what i'm saying isn't real but like how i'm 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 keeping some of this hurt or some of these other things i'm feeling like you know kind of keeping it under wraps right now so i can get this bigger message to you right and then we can circle back and i can kind of deal with some of what i'm dealing with with you but because of this setting and what my position is like yo i gotta perform a little bit right and it doesn't mean again it doesn't mean that you're not uh giving them authenticity it just means that you know there are certain constraints and like you can't like there's certain energy you can't bring in that space so so it's a it's a show and so I think that's why I would get those opportunities because when I walked in there, I just I looked at them like they were just a, a younger version of all these crowds I've seen around the world and just and try to, you know, same thing. Like, you know, whether I'm walking in this spot saying I go and the kids doing I may or I just like peace and the kids say peace or whatever, whatever call and response. I'm thinking, how's that any different from any show that I've done? Right. And like. And the kid who cutting up, they they the equivalent of the drunk dude at the bar who don't know when to shut the hell up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's like there's a lot of different ways to kind of view it. You know what I mean? And um and just different ways to approach it. And uh, you know, yeah, man. Indeed, indeed. Now you did mention earlier that you're a producer, and yes. I gotta say I didn't know that you were a producer until later on. You know, mm-hmm. um. But just to talk about the track, uh, A Requiem for All Black Lives, yeah, you know, which is on this, this compilation project. Mm-hmm. When, when you created that track, how were you able to get the sound to convey the meaning behind the title? Yeah, um, I found this sample, and the sample was really beautiful. Um, it was really, really, really beautiful. And, um, and after... I, like when I was first working on it, like this studio I'm in right now is actually a studio that my wife and I share um, for our business. And um, and she was working on um, she was uh, working on her sewing machine. Um, and uh, so she heard me when I was chopping the sample and how it initially sounded. She she liked it a lot because it was so beautiful. And then the moment I, I um, messed around and took it down a couple octaves, she stepped out the room and came back because she was like, it's like oh that's dark like you know it's just like it just it just had this overwhelmingly like sad feeling and just just like you know it just took it to a really dark place and um and that uncomfortableness that i see that um that i saw in her that how she was uh, feeling 
when she heard that made me think a lot about how I was feeling like, you know, when all of this stuff was kind of at its peak, um, you know, man, like I have days where it's like, I'm having like some of the hardest conversations with my kid I've ever had to have mm. uh, with my oldest daughter. And, um, yeah, man. And then there's days where like they step out the crib and just because, you know, I'm trying to keep, you know, hold, uh, keep face or whatever. Um, yo, like I break down some days, man, like just really just a lot of frustration um, that there wasn't a lot of space to kind of really um, to really just kind of because, you know, with us being quarantined, like I don't like we don't have as much alone time if you if you in a house with your family. And so being able to process stuff on your own um, when you got kids uh, around you 24 seven is difficult. And so so that beat was pretty much, um, I would say, even more so than the rhymes that I've written about it. Um, that beat was very much, man, it was therapeutic. Mm. And um, there was a lot of sadness, man. And I just really tried to put a, a lot of the emotions, a lot of the, uh, the dark spaces. I felt like my mind was in into that music. And um, and then, then when I when I got probably halfway through, I think I was um, almost finished with it. Mm. Um, that's when the title hit me, and I was like, "Yo, I think this is what to call it." Mm. And uh, and I have this footage on my phone that's from when I went to Black Lives Matter Plaza um, after things died down um, to kind of capture all of the people who've been um, whose faces were posted. Uh, like I've been thinking about, like not even doing a fancy video, man, just all that footage that I got on my uh, like that I caught on my uh, my phone just throwing that over the instrumental because like that feeling I had looking at all of their faces is very much how I felt when I finished that beat mm. and um yeah man but yeah it, it was challenging brother it was challenging but um it was necessary you know you know it's interesting you say it's ther- it was therapeutic because I've you know I've had interviews before and you know artists have said you know when they write it it, it's therapeutic to them right Mm -hmm. i'm curious to know if there's a difference in feeling between when you actually produce versus when you write like Mm. is what do you get from producing what's the sense of um i guess benefit you get when you actually produce versus rapping or is there a difference in the feelings yeah, I wish I wish I could explain the science of it. Right. Yeah. I had a homeboy who uh, my one of my homeboys is a bioengineer, like a real, real life. And um, I wish he was here to kind of explain something he was talking about, like uh, a study he was looking into about how our bodies and our minds respond to music. And um, and so when I'm making beats, man, like. You know, when I find when I find a certain sample or when I'm playing, um, you know, on the keyboard or something like that, and I work something out. Um, one of my homeboys, uh, shout out to my man, Mason Lieberman, he uh, described composing like uh, putting together an audio puzzle. And I was like, man, that might have been one. <laughs> I was like bars, bro. That might have been one of the dopest lines. I've ever heard like a, a producer say, but dude said when, you know, it's like an audio puzzle. And so that pro and I used to love <laughs> get corny as hell. Right? I used to love puzzles when I was a kid. Right. So like, that's probably the, that's, that's a great description of what it's like, man. Like 
Um, so that process is a lot more relaxing. Um, I say I would say I'm way more relaxed when I'm making beats mm. than I am when I'm writing rhymes. Um, Cause I'm not as worried about the beat sounding like something you've never heard before where like with a rhyme, uh, I'm very much concerned. Like, yo, I got to try to say something that hasn't been said thousands, millions of times already. Right. And, and, uh, and if I am going to talk about a topic that has been talked about, like how can I do it in a way that hasn't been done before? Yeah. Um, and that's, and that can be stressful. Right. That can take something that is therapeutic and now turn it into a more stressful thing because you're putting added pressure on yourself yeah. because you're trying to constantly top yourself. And I definitely don't feel that level of pressure when I when I produce like I do when I write. You know? mm. Wow. Well said. That's an interesting breakdown. I like the whole puzzle thing that you said your boy told you about. Yeah, like, do you, do you get that sense of completeness? Like, you know, when you when you're piecing a puzzle together, that feeling of like when the puzzle is completed, like yeah. it makes you feel. So is that the same completeness you get when you produce once you yeah. once you put all the layers together? Absolutely. Because, you know, even though I've been making beats for a very long time, I really didn't um, really kind of push it in my career like heavily until like maybe the last three years. Right. Where I really was like, all right, I'm going to just let people know, like I can produce for real. Um and I think the reason why I felt so feel so complete when I make a beat is because most of the time when I make beats, I think the biggest difference between me and a lot of producers I know, I don't make beats with the intention of making beats for someone to do a song to it. Right. Like most of the beats I make, like I actually make them to be instrumentals. Um, and so like the, the project I did, uh, the garden um you know that's why i got my homeboy shout out to malcolm jackson again like he's playing on like four of the tracks and then there's another track with marcus d and my man um gerson playing on that one and um like adding that live instrumentation and stuff uh and really constructing the music with the vision of this beat is enough by itself and even if it is me chopping up a loop like having movement in the music where it like it takes you through the different stages like and um I rarely just make a beat and just kind of leave a loop. I know a lot of producers where they, they just kind of ca uh, catch the core loop, finish that up, and then they just send it to you um, when it's a rough. But like, yo, like my joints will have like a clear bridge, a clear, a clear chorus, um, you know, like a, like a pretty well-developed outro before I even send you anything. Like, because in my mind, they like these joints ain't looking for homes, B. Like, <laughs> They're, they're, they're pretty good on their own, you know what I mean? And, you know, and if you're nice and you figure that you can maybe do something with it and I decide I want to let you move in, cool. But this is uh, this is a pretty, a pretty much, you know, it's pretty much a, a, a complete vision when I when I make it. And I usually don't play it for people when they're rough. Um, you know, I try to really flush out the whole vision. Dope, dope, dope. I want to go back to the album the past is always present in the future and just mm -hmm. like focus on the title for a bit sure. why why is that important for us to keep in mind still today the past yeah, I, is always present in the future because you know hip-hop deals with a lot of ageism um you know and this isn't the overall theme of the project the project really deals with legacy uh, more than anything else right um but Hip hop 
uh, there's a lot of ages. And I just did an interview a, exactly a week ago and um, random, random, random Bama and his fellas <laughs> just come on Twitter, just saying something reckless, like, uh, like, you know, making a comment about my age and this, that and the third. And, you know, and to keep it a buck with you, man, like when I was a teenager, I didn't I didn't even envision living this long, bro. Like, that's just not the environment I lived in. You know what I mean? Like this type of stuff I was seeing, like whether it was somebody being shot like in front of me or like, you know, me being um, shot at multiple times and just crazy situations I seen firsthand and was involved in. Like I, you know, and it's like, and I ain't acting like I was this dude that was wild like that because I wasn't. But my my community, the neighbor I lived, neighborhood I lived in was very multiple neighborhoods I lived in was very much like that. Um, and so so I just didn't see growing older. Like that just that's not something I envisioned for myself. And so, like, you know, but as I've been blessed enough to live as long as I have, you think a lot about what your legacy is gonna be. And um, and so, man, I came up with that title. Um, you know, I had this vision where I, I really wanted to get one of my homies shot the algorithm. Initially, when I wanted to do the album, I wanted him to produce the whole thing. And um, but before I stepped to him, um, I was just kind of thinking about what the record was going to be about. And um, and then that quote, like, yo, it just came out of nowhere. That's so anytime you hear someone say that, that's me. Like, that's not a quote from someone else. Like, <laughs> Yeah, let it be. Don't look, quote by the way. Say it on your show. So, like, so when my time come and they be like, and people start saying that quote, like, like it's a regular thing. Just know that that that's me. That's an original. Um, right. You know what I mean? Be clear. You know <laughs> uh, what I've been saying. Um, but yeah, I man, it it really just it's it's you know when we talk about relevance and like what makes someone relevant. Um, there's a lot of different things that we debate on, but ultimately it's, it's connected to legacy. It's connected to like, what have you done? Right. What, what is, what is your presence meant to others? Right. And so when I think about what my legacy is, when I see certain artists and getting certain love and this, that, and the third, and I know that the only reason why you call that artist by that name is because I gave them that name. Like I literally named that artist. Right that like yo that's a part of my legacy whether you know that or not that's very much that's no their success is directly linked to me right and then like yo my kids when my kids go out and do certain things in the world when they're out here being great whether you ever see me at all it's still a reflection of me so i'm not out here trying to convince any any clown as whatever like if if i'm relevant or not right Cause like the people in the chat who showing love right now, it's like, yo, it ain't gotta be millions of people. It ain't gotta be 10, 000, tens of thousands of people. Like, bro, all it takes is you having a, a, a huge effect on one, right? And if that one person then goes out and does something that saves the world, that's also me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's also me. If what I did motivated them to be that person or help them along their journey like so we all we all are relevant based on what we do and what our contributions are to the world we all hold a certain relevance so the past is always present in the future that's what that that title deals with right like uh there is no future without our past so as much as we in hip-hop try to write off the old the old dudes the old heads 
And as much as the old heads try to act like, you know, the, the youngins are, are just what they're doing is this fad that's going to fade. The, the old heads are hypocrites for even coming at them like that, because that's that's what they went through when they were youngins. They they got that short memory. They forget like, you know, that that was their experience as well. Like the, the old guard before them didn't like what they were doing. You know what I mean? But eventually they made room for them to grow. You know what I mean? And so we got to make sure that we make room for the next generation to grow. But the next generation got to also understand that, like, regardless of how old you think I am and how, like, what um, nobody does that anymore, this, that, and third. Yo, it's all bullshit because this this stuff, it's a cycle. It all come back around. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, so we we will always be relevant as long as we're constantly contributing um, to the livelihood and the lives of the people around us, you know? So, yeah. Well said. Shout out to Rosa who just said the truth. That's he goes. He goes. Yeah, man. Very, very well said, brother. Thank um, you, man. On your track, Lead the Followers, mm. um, which also shows up on this project, this compilation project, you have a line that says, without breaking your stride, do the people seek hope when they glaze in your eyes? Then you may be the next, then you may be the next king or Barack. If your words are true, then again, you might be the first you. Mm. I want to focus on that last part where you say, then again, you might be the first you. It, right. it almost implies that you're not truly you, you know, mm. until a certain point, right? You're not completely right. you. And um, I'm just curious to know, what do you think gets in the way of one knowing their full potential or purpose and being able to fully express themselves in that role? Yeah, um, I think the same thing that inspired the same the same folks who inspire you to do what you do are sometimes the the folks who are also in your way, right? Like, and not in a not in a negative sense, uh, but you know, my wife and I just had this conversation today. Uh, you know, while I was working in education, um, I wasn't a teacher in the traditional sense. I was a um, like in certain places, I was an after school teacher in other places. I was a youth, um, uh, youth leader, youth development, youth leader development trainer, <laughs> something, something like that. And then something I was like, like that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, I had a lot of different positions, but I wasn't um, a teacher in the sense that I went and got my my degree in that. Right. Like so because of the fact that a lot of the places I worked at, they saw something in me and whether it was the adults that were encouraging me or if it was even the students, students who would come to me when they got in trouble and just kind of venting would say things like, man, yo, I wish you were my teacher. I wish you were a teacher here um, instead of kind of doing what you do here. And um, and it wasn't that my position didn't have value. They just kind of wanted more from me. Mm. And so there was a time where I started list. I started feeding into that so much. I started looking and going back to school. Right. I started like, you know, kind of positioning myself to do just that. And then one day I woke up and was just like, nah, that I think the reason why I have so much power here and why the kids would come to me is because I wasn't a traditional teacher. Right. It was because I wasn't teaching 
the I wasn't teaching the curriculum. Every curriculum I've ever taught anywhere I work was a curriculum I created. It wasn't some state issued thing, right? So, but like, but listening to other people, I started kind of walking. A, um, I started uh, getting off my path and was about to go down a different path that, like, basically would put me in a box and limit um, and make it a harder fight to do what I do. Where doing things the way I do it right now is like for real, for real. It's like, man, look, if I want to teach teach this or whatever, I can either step out here and find a program who already got the bag and say, hey, uh, this is what I'm trying to bring to y'all, like for these kids. Or whatever let's let's find a way to make this free for the kids if you pay me this that and the third kids ain't got paid to be in that program blah 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 right and or like sometimes it's just volunteering or whatever at a particular joint but the important fact is you know i found a way to be able to take these things to uh these programs and and package it the way i wanted to do it work with them and they give a little bit of feedback but it was my thing it was me walking in my truth right and but I had to recognize that the same people who were inspiring me and and saying all of these encouraging things were also kind of starting to get in the way a bit because they were feeding me other ideas, which I definitely um, considered. But like I had to recognize that, like, yo, that that wasn't my path. So I had to keep looking for me. Like, because sometimes, you know, I, I thought I knew, and then someone say something, and then I get off. Yeah, like, you know, kind of get off track a little bit. So it's tough, man. I think, I think, you know, and it doesn't mean your journey doesn't change because it does. But, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta know, you gotta know your truth, man. You gotta understand what your purpose is and decide that for yourself and recognize when, you know, sometimes it's outside interference that is maybe, um, maybe getting you off track a bit and kind of changing your thinking, but not necessarily in a productive way, you know? Indeed. Indeed. On the track entitled your truth, you have a line that says, I just want peace for the peaceful and the haters too. Cause we equal. Mm. What do you mean by the latter line? Yeah. The I peace mean, for the yo, haters. Like, yeah it's it's clearly it's people who who really like they they ain't here for peace right like and when i say peace i think i'll tell you one thing that pisses me off or annoys me a bit i think people associate peace with weakness you know what i mean like and <laughs> yo to be at peace with yourself you know how fucking strong you gotta be <laughs> you know what i'm saying my bad i ain't even ask you if i can curse or not but like i'm just going <laughs> Uh, but Good. yeah, man, like, do you realize like how strong you have to be to be at peace with yourself, to know what peace, to really know what peace is and find peace in the midst of all of this craziness that's happening in the world? Like how much strength that takes. Right. So like, yo, like I want that, of course, for uh, like I want that for us all. Like I want that for the like these people who, who really have no interest in it. They they have they are all for the business of war. Like they you know, like more of that, please. That's what they want. And the reality of it is this this struggle that they are going through and this this hell that they're that they're um putting others through, it 
literally is connected to the fact that they aren't at peace with themselves they're at war with themselves and so now like anybody who gets in the way or is along their path or whatever becomes a casualty of that and so yeah man like i wanted you know it's a it's a i said this in another another interview where i was like look man my you know don't don't get it twisted like me saying this is because i'm trying to be some goody goody it's a selfish thing right it's a super selfish thing when when you at peace with yourself you you're less of a threat than me when i'm out here right so like yeah why wouldn't i want things to be good for you and yours so i ain't gotta worry about me and mine when i'm out here you got what you need right so so yeah we can we can all be at peace because you ain't worried about what's happening over here because you got everything that you need where you at right and so yeah so that's what that lies about like it's a it's a little sappy or whatever it might sound a little sappy but like the deeper meaning is you know it's just like you know i i want i want i want for my enemies the same thing i want for my family you know what i mean like just to be at peace with yourself so you ain't out here trying to war with me because you're unhappy you know what i mean you ain't out here trying to take me like take something from me and mine's rape me and minds of 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 what is rightfully ours you know because you you know you just unhappy you know what i mean definitely um where do i go next man i still got some stuff that i want to ask you about this this project here, bro. <laughs> i'm here <laughs> um hold on let me see i think i asked that oh okay resilience yeah. i actually want to quote a line from from resilience okay let me just uh get to that real quick okay um you have a line on there where you say i'm supposed to be homeless slept mm -hmm. on the floors of my brothers no jonas so i ain't thinking about opponents went from couch surfer to a homeowner where i'm from that's called progress i'm gonna mm -hmm. stop right there uh, resilience doesn't come without overcoming certain obstacles sure so what were some of the obstacles you met on your quest to become a homeowner and how were you able to overcome this with resilience yeah so um you know when i was uh um at pratt institute um you know i ended up uh pulling out of school want to say like i was that had to make some adjustments or whatever had some issues with um finances for school um eventually got back in class but while all of this stuff was going on there was a period of time uh, from one summer till i think winter that year was it winter or like maybe late fall something like that where like i think it was like a three-month period where um where i had no place to live so um you know i wasn't homeless in a sense that i was living out in the streets but um but you know i basically just had friends who like you know i crashed over here with somebody for like two weeks then i crashed over here with somebody else for like a week or something like that or like maybe a couple weeks then a homie who like uh, you know like there was a couple that we knew where one always slept in the other one's dorm so like so i would sleep like wherever they didn't sleep is where I was, <laughs> where I would sleep. And my, and my queen, my wife, man, was the realest because she had family in Brooklyn. 
and rather than crashing with them she wherever i slept that's where she was y'all like if, if i was sleeping on my man's floor you know like on a couple blankets and stuff like that um yo she was there <laughs> you know what wow, i'm saying like, brother that says a lot yeah and bro like her family for a sister to to do that you got yeah. a good one my brother <laughs> yeah man like yo like that that was crazy because yeah. like her family literally her family literally lived a 25 minute drive away like wow. you know like brooklyn so like clinton hill right and her family in flatbush and so she had somewhere to go but like yo like her family this was early in our relationship so they didn't know me like that otherwise they could have probably put me up but like this was so early it's like come on what family is gonna be like wait your your, your, your boyfriend ain't got no place to live hey leave that <laughs> you know what i'm saying like exactly you know, real. but um but yeah man it, it was that like at one point like i i had no uh early in that process i didn't have a job either you know what i mean so like I had lost like my wallet or something like that and had had like twenty dollars to my name and literally was trying to stretch twenty dollars for almost a month and a half, almost two months. Like, you know, because like I lost uh, certain information, so I didn't have a way to contact my family back home. I ain't have enough bread. Wow. To do a lot of things. And so it was a struggle, man. I lost like damn, dog. I think I lost like 20, 30 pounds or whatever in that period because I wasn't eating like that yeah like wow. it was real <laughs> it was it was really real um and um and, and truth of the matter is man like you know like that line deals with that time in my life um and then later on my wife and i even though we had all those struggles when we when we uh you know we finally came up and was doing our thing in brooklyn and eventually moved to maryland we ended up copying our first house you know what i mean and um uh you know, uh, he he quote he just quoted the line or whatever. Even when I was homeless, you stayed with a brother. But yeah, that's what that was about. And so, um, you know, like it's it was a blessing, man. Like uh, crazy thing about when we copped our house too, because when we got married, Cool Hurt was actually the DJ for our wedding. And um, really, yeah, yeah, yo, that's and a so whole other conversation, man. But go ahead, hey, yeah, yeah, right, yeah, no problem. And so, what was crazier than that? Or, or as crazy as that is when we copped the house, like I talked to my mom that day. And then the second person I talked to, the second person who called ended up congratulating us was hurt. Cause he was just like, yo, he, we were super tight at one point. So he just called to check in. And, uh, and it was wild, man. Just thinking like of my life, like going from like, cause when I had that period where we didn't have a place to live, like, you know that was right before i recorded my first album like right like a couple months before i ended up going to japan um like literally all of that happened within a maybe like a four to five month period right like where i literally went from not having a place to live to being flown to japan to record my debut album right and then like the seed to go from that and then some years later be buying my first house uh, with, with uh, the same woman who was sleeping on floors with me wow. uh, to then having hurt the cool hurt like you know like call me to congratulate me like as it was happening as quick as we signed the like the the, the ink was still wet on the paper dog like now i just finished talking to my mom and he was the next person in line to call us and so wow. um yeah man it's just surreal dude like when you when you think about you look back at all of those things it's just like you know what else can you call it but resilience because how many people check out like you know 
um just just give up before they ever get there you know what i mean yeah i was gonna ask you like what was your hope like like even in those times when you were sleeping on the floor like what was there always this mindset that i would have that you would eventually get there yeah i mean yeah, yeah i mean yo look and this is going to sound like i'm downplaying it but yo bad shit happened all the time right like you know what i mean you know we had a period of time, man, where like we had 13 family members living in a three bedroom apartment, bro. Like my I used to watch my brother put like you remember uh, when we were in elementary school, teacher used to tell you put your, uh, your chair on the desk. Yes. Right. Like at the end of the day, yo, like we used to have to do that in our apartment. Wow. Right. Used to have to put the chairs on the dining room table or like move them to a different part of the room because my brother, his wife. And their kid was literally sleeping under the dining room. That's how many people we had staying in our house. At one, I mean, in our apartment at one point in time. So like, yo, you know, seeing my brother go through that and now seeing like, you know, his beautiful home and him having like an acre, like, I don't know if it's quite an acre, but damn near an acre worth of land. It's a beautiful house and uh, like beautiful wife and like seeing where he at, right? Like considering, you know what I mean? Knowing what our family been through, seeing, seeing the, the wild stuff that's happened to all of us. Um, you know, and I ain't gonna get into all the details, but knowing, knowing what we live through, um, when bad, other bad things happen, it's just like, yo, it's Monday, bro. It's, it's just Monday. Like, you know, eventually we, we gonna come up It's peaks and valleys, you know what I mean? So, you know, you just gotta keep at it and eventually the blessings come back around, mm. you know? What, what examples of success did you have growing up? Like examples of that? as a young person looking at it and like, Oh, I can see it. And I want to embody that as I get older. Did you have any like examples of that, that you recall vividly? Uh, probably the first thing I remember, um, the first time I knew I could make money doing art. Right. Um, because you know, I keep it, a, I keep it, a, <laughs> keep it a bug with you again, like, uh, keep it a bug with you at all times. But y'all like, you know, I was very money driven at a young age, man. Like, uh, um, you know, and when I say a young age, I ain't talking about teenage. I'm talking about elementary school. I knew how, like, yo, like I knew, I always knew how to get money. <laughs> so I never worry about money too much because it, it would come and go, but I always knew how to get to it. And, um, I met a guy who came to, uh, show and tell when I was in sixth grade. And, um, and this dude was an architect. And I didn't know what an architect was. And so when I when when the, the only thing I needed to hear, I didn't really care what he drew. All I knew was drawing is what got him there. Right. Like drawing is what got him there because I'm a visual artist, too. Um, like my wife and I have a company um, called Substantial Art and Music. Uh, so, you know, like we're always dealing with both visual arts and performing arts. And so when he came in and just broke down what he did. And then I started asking, man, I was at real direct, how much money you make? That's what, this is how much money you make drawing right? and doing what you do. And when the brother broke it down and like, he was just so forthright with it. He just broke it down in front of all these kids. And I'm like, man, I'm, and again, remember like I, I was already, I wasn't dealing with crazy money cause I'm a kid, but like, yo, like I knew how to get money. And so, when he started dropping them numbers, I'm doing math real quick. And I'm like, "Ooh, I got a long way to go, <laughs> long way to go. But what was dope about it was it was the fact that he looked like this was a black man. Right. And yo, like 
I'm surrounded by people who talk about starving artists all the time. And here this brother was, he was an artist, but they don't call him an artist, they call him an architect. So that was me learning that there are different types of people who are like different types of artists. And you know, and there are different ways, different paths to success. And maybe drawing comic books ain't gonna be my thing. Maybe drawing cartoons ain't gonna be my thing because that's all kids really know when it comes to art um, or like your works hanging up in a museum. But they don't, they're not taught that like an architect is an artist, right? They're not taught about interior design or like, uh, you know, um, fashion design, all of these things that we're into. And like, we're not really learning the importance of aesthetics and that like, regardless of what you own, there's someone that comes through and after they engineer how the thing is going to work, somebody is like, okay, now this is how we're going to beautify this thing. Or sometimes they say, this is what it's going to look like. Now we got to figure out how we're going to make it work. But an artist is always involved. And there are so many different ways that that artists were like are, are able to make a living outside of just what we think of when we think of artists. And so that I think was a very pivotal moment um, because I it's, it's something that just kind of stays. I don't know if you saw my face, but like when you asked that question, that was the yeah. first thing I thought about. And um, I think I, for me, I really think that was the moment because the money to do this said when he said what type of money he was making, like, yo, that wasn't chump change, man. Like, I didn't know anyone, anyone that made that type of money, period, doing any job, right? Wow. And then, and this dude come through, and he an artist. Like, the thing I loved most, even more than music at the time, because I wasn't really full-on, like, rapper mode yet. It's like sixth grade. So, yeah, it, yo, it changed everything. Wow. It, it made everything very real to me. I was like, yo, say no more. Say less. All right. You know, as you were saying this, I couldn't help but to ask, like, like, if you don't mind sharing, like, run down what it is, what are all the things that you you tap into? Like you said, you're, oh, you're a lyric. I know you're a lyricist, you're a producer, right. you're an artist. Like, if you could kind of just share it, because I'm like, as I'm interviewing you, I'm like, wow, I'm learning there's a lot more to you than I even knew. Sure. So, let's see. Uh... <laughs> As so brief as possible. I know it might not be, but whatever you could share, yeah. just just so people know, kind of like, yo, there's a lot that comes with who Substantial is. Sure, sure. Well, I guess I'll start with the newest thing. So so I'm officially a podcaster, right? Like okay. officially. Uh, my wife and I have a podcast called um, Artistry. And, uh, and it's, but it's spelled like art and the word industry without I-N. Um, so because basically our tag is where art meets industry. Um, so I'm officially a podcaster. We're, we're looking to do some really big things with the podcast. Um, uh, so that's new. Um, but outside of that, in terms of stuff, you know, of course, you know, still a, still emceeing, still producing. I'm a graphic designer. That's actually what I went to um, to school for. Um, but uh, graphic design, web design, probably about like 90% of the album covers that you've ever seen of mine were done by me, um, including that Jill Scott tribute joint that I did, like the drawing that was actually me. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, other than that, um, also an educator, um, yes. as I mentioned, you know, um, like a, I'm currently an instructor for Omega School, which is basically higher learning for uh, um, audio engineers. 
Um, I teach uh, a music two music business classes uh, there. Um, and uh, I'm uh, like I also am um, co-owner and co-founder of the company Substantial Art and Music, where we're actually a consulting service. So we do provide some artistic services and and audio services for clients. But the bulk of what we do is consult other creatives and help them like basically further their careers. Um, we've seen a lot of clientele throughout the pandemic because a good amount of what we focus on is helping people learn about like various revenue streams around their art um, and their music. Um, and we focus like heavily on passive income uh, because we're a family. So, you know, Don't. like to be able to have the time to chop it up with you, but not have to worry too much because I know that like certain money is kind of coming from multiple things. And multiple so I streams, got time yeah. to stop and just do this. Yeah. I don't have to always be making something or always be, you know, trying to promote a particular thing. Like, you know, you put certain things in place around what you do and it will monetize itself after a while and just, you know, and you can live off that. And so, yeah, so that's a big, that's a big part of what, um, what I do these days. Um, you know, we've like, our company has seen a lot of success, uh, in the past year where we're three years old and, um, like we've averaged probably a client uh, a week, um, this year. Um, like we, we you know, <laughs> business has been good. So like, yeah, man. So doing that, um, you know, I mentor, uh, a few different like artists and, and, uh, former students as well. Um, I, I'm pretty sure I'm forgetting something, but it's a lot. It's a, it's a lot, man. Um, Joe you know, Sewell called you a, a renaissance man. Right, yeah, renaissance man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah indeed, yeah, indeed. You know, I'll take that. Good looking, man. <laughs> Word up. Wow, man. That's a lot, man. That is so dope, man. I'm so happy Appreciate to see it. that Thank things you, have turned out this way for you, man. That's a, that's an inspiration for me, you. you know, just alone, you know, so that's what's Thank up. Um. I couldn't help. Uh, let me go back to the comment. I think it was Motherland's Realist. He said, yeah, he said uh, Umoja is one of his favorite tracks. Oh, wow. Wow. And I got to say, man, that's one of my favorites from you, too. And I'm going to share a little story with you. And you probably are aware, but back, okay. um, I want to say about when did I stop doing the. So I had a 24-7 internet radio station called Out the Box Radio. Um, right. And around like the holiday times, I would try mm -hmm. to play like music that was reflective of the holidays, right? You know, there was a lot of like Christmas songs and stuff that I right. would play. But then I was like, I want to play something that represents Kwanzaa. <laughs> that's so, that's and your so. record was the only record at the time that was like mm -hmm. a hip hop record that I, I don't even think there's much. Probably there's maybe one or two other records that I heard of that mm -hmm. kind of represents Kwanzaa. Um, and I know Umoja is a title that can represent, it represents unity, but, you know, so it could be beyond Kwanzaa. But mm -hmm. I, it, I just used to always come up like, oh, I'm going to play this because I know Substantial put this Umoja out. And it speaks to, when you talk about your experience of growing up in such a big family and just getting through all the struggles together, it speaks to unity. Um, mm -hmm. Where did you, did you, did, was that, um, was your family history like your first, experience with the idea of unity yeah i think i think for all of us um you know that's where it starts i mean whether whether it's um you know folks getting together at grandma's house on sunday uh for for that big meal right and uh or 
uh, or, you know, on a on a on a smaller scale, like you catching beef, and yo, your siblings coming through, like, oh nah, you ain't about to jump my little brother, you know, what I mean? like, you know, it it looks unity. I think is it's another one of those things that can kind of sound cheesy to some, but unity looks looks a lot of different ways, right? Unity can be both positive and negative, right? Like, and that's it's not this kind of simple thing right um or this one-sided uh thing i mean you you seeing it in politics right now where no matter what no matter what trump does there's certain bombs that just always rocking with them they this a unified front and so so i think on a on a small scale level it always starts in the house right in the home um, and like, I think all of us, that's our first experience uh, with what unity looks like, whether we're talking about family reunions, family get togethers, um, people coming together to celebrate your life before you even get here. Right. Like there was unity in your life before you even came into the that's world. Deep. You know what I mean? Like baby showers, right? Like that's we. Uh, that's what we do. We come together. And so, um, it's it's the it's the first principle of kwanzaa um and it's arguably the most uh the most realized and most important principle in our lives um you know us being able to come together for one common cause to move forward uh or sometimes to hold others back right Mm, that's another perspective yeah Mm. wow sub i gotta thank you tonight man i really really had a pleasure talking to you man this was Appreciate good. It. It's been a pleasure, man, chopping it up with you. Indeed, yeah. indeed. I, I wanted to say to you real quick before I forget, I do got another Kwanzaa song for you, too. Oh, I got really? two more, actually. You know what I mean? Because uh, me and the homie Marcus D got this joint called Winter Breaks. Uh, that's the name of the project. And the whole concept behind the uh, behind it is holiday music. But like half the records are kind of dealing with um, uh, Christmas while the other half were like dealing with Kwanzaa you know what I mean so wow, so it's like a semi-project yeah yeah we That's actually dope. we're actually look you about to get the exclusive we we working uh on volume two uh right now and so our goal is to have it out later this year so uh but yeah man it's it's called winter breaks definitely check that out there's a track on there called celebration nice. um that's man like my goal was to make like the quintessential Kwanzaa song when I made that song. So I definitely wow. got to check it out. You know what I mean? Look at that, man. <laughs> Continuing on on that path. I appreciate that. Now you said yeah. volume two. Is that volume two to what I've been missing? Because I know it's labeled as volume one. No. So what I've been missing. Uh, yeah. Basically, I have the plan of releasing um, like a collection of tracks like that every year. Um, going forward like this was the first one then i'm doing that but um the volume two i was just talking about that was a that's for the winter breaks project because we did the first one in 2014 um and so now six years later we're about to do volume two we've been putting together the beats i already started writing uh so you know we ain't got a lot of time but i'm gonna go ahead and try to knock this joint out uh just in time for the holidays this year because i think we need it man like it's 2020 has been it's, it's been wild, B. So, you know, trying to give folks some uh some music to uh, kind of restore some hope. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah, you know. Is yeah. it gonna be a, a another principle in addition uh, yeah. to so, so um the song celebration, that's kind of all of the, you know, it talks about all of the principles. Oh, dope. Okay, so it's like a collective dope. 
yeah, yeah. And then, uh, but there is a track called Longing for Nia. And, you know, Nia is another principal yes. of Kwanzaa, too. And so the song basically talks about my journey from, it starts off with someone reading the uh, the, the the principal of Nia uh, for Kwanzaa and, like, breaking down what it means um, as an elder. Um, after she breaks it down, then I talk about, like, my journey and how I figured out, like, from from a young dude to a man, like how I figured out what my purpose was. So how I figured out what, how I um, figured out how that, uh, you know, all of that stuff connected to where I was going. You know what I mean? Dope, dope. Motherland's Realist said, what I like about your music is your lyrics and jazzy beats. Keep doing that. Appreciate it. Yeah, I like thank, that too. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And Warpath said, it's hard to believe 2014 was so long ago. Wow. Yo, it's wild, man. Yo, it how do you like feel about your career? Like real. in hindsight, like do you feel like it's passed like quickly? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm active, man. Like you know, I try not to waste a minute of the day, right? Like you know, um, even even in my downtime, I'm I'm engaged in something, right? Like so, so like yeah, man. Like it's crazy. Like the past is always present in the future. Like that that project was such an on taking. It took so much work, but to think now that that was three years ago, like, yo, like, and when I think about how much I've done in the last three years, how much music I've made, um, different places in the world I've been, how many people we've lost, like how many folks I've lost, you know what I mean? Um, you know, it's, y'all, it's wild. Like, yeah, time's flying, man. So, you know, I'm just, you know, you know what I'm saying? Stroke, look, stroke my wisdom real quick. <laughs> I'm like, you know, just watching the gray hairs come in and counting my blessings, dude, and just trying to, keep uh keep um creating and keep enjoying these moments because yo it goes it goes so quickly man so, right right uh, be present you know any last words you want people to know about what i've been saying like i think there's like some proceeds connected to this right like yeah, um, yeah. for sure so uh, so yeah i've been um so basically uh the proceeds from the record like when you purchase it on Bandcamp um you know 100% of the proceeds go to um Black Lives Matter um the Black Lives Matter Foundation and um and then uh when you stream the songs uh DistroKid has set up something with um the NAACP uh defense fund and also uh, and also Color of Change so a portion of the proceeds uh, when you stream um, the two songs, what I've been saying and uh, and a requiem for um, all black lives, portion of the proceeds go to those organizations as well. So, you know, yeah, man, just trying to put action behind the music. You know, what I mean, like for me, like I know I do the work regardless. So even if I wasn't donating the proceeds, like, I, you know, I put a lot of time and energy back into the community and and not just through teaching even through our company and the different um the majority of our clients are black owned businesses uh or black businesses you know mostly black businesses so um you know we're 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 putting that time and energy and invest we're putting our, our money where our mouth is and our time um as well and uh so it's not that it's a small part of the bigger picture Indeed. you know what i mean but i but I think for my own personal reasons, I want to make sure that like I kind of keep that going where, you know, I release this project, like do volumes of it in the future and do the same thing where, you know, just giving back. You know, what I mean, it's, I'm just happy I'm in a position to be able to do that at this point and ha not have to be chasing every dollar like, nah, bro, I need that. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, you know, count my blessings. You know what I mean? 
Wow, wow. That's so dope, man. You know, I wanted to ask you, I was going to close out, but I, this, this, this question just been on my mind for you. Um, mm-hmm. When you talked about being an educator, mm-hmm. I know that that comes with a level of discipline and a level of patience. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious to know how that experience has impacted your personal life or mm-hmm. your family life. Mm-hmm. For better, yeah. Um, I definitely feel as though because I've been working in education now over twenty years, and it's made me a better father. You know what I mean? Like, um, you know, I had this conversation with some of the homies uh, where it was inspired by a conversation. Uh, shout out to Principal Coleman. Um, but the brother basically said in one of our trainings, he was just like. You know, he was talking about how difficult, how difficult teaching is. Right. But then he was connecting it with parenting and he was like, yo, to help us be more patient and not be so judgmental of the parents we work with. He was like, look, I need you to remember how difficult your job is. Right. And then remember that the parents that we're serving, whose families um, like these families were serving that like remember that like teaching is a part of parenting and understand that you're trained to do what you do right like most of us don't go to school to become parents right so it's easy for like teachers to kind of like look at parents who are struggling with their kids and be judgmental right and but like we forget like we forget that like you've been given all these different tools you've done all of this research you've been in these different types of classrooms like i've worked in like really dangerous settings or not i don't even want to say dangerous because it it didn't feel dangerous to me but the way people hype it when i come in because right the perception yeah yeah the schools have bad reputation so people like you know in the area where i'm from we we say they slicing it (laughs) you know what i mean but like you know they they try to make it like it's far worse than it is but it's partly because sometimes the people in those situations they don't look at them as people right like they're not they don't kind of off Anyway, that's a separate conversation. But ultimately, those tools that I got being an educator, and damn, my wife and I was just talking about this. Like all of these trainings um, that I've had, all of the experience I had on the job, working with these kids, listening to their stories, um, you know, and I mean, I could run off like all of these different things I learned, but it's like, um, I'm trying to remember the last thing that was uh, super super um important but ultimately it just gave me a lot of tools man i got a lot of tools in my toolbox bro that really prepared me to be the best possible father i could be and so um i am man like i don't regret any of it like for real like it's probably some of the best decisions i i um i could have made because um i believe my children benefit from it um, and of course, like my wife, um, as well, because of the support I'm able to give her, um, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, man. So, you know, like that's definitely the, the best part of like what education has, um, like yeah. being an educator, what it's done for my life and how it's affected my family. Wow. Well said, well said. Thank yeah. You, that, it's like you have that reminder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like that reminder. Yeah. Wow. That's mm-hmm. dope, man. Sub again, man. Thank you so much again. Uh, Thank you, bro. Before we get out of here, 
Let the people know again where they can actually find you, whether it's your website, your social media platforms, and also what's immediately next in store. Is there another project we could see coming mm-hmm. from you, like a full brand new project? Um, I'm not mm-hmm. sure if you mentioned that earlier, but yeah, yeah. you could close out yeah, with that. Sure. So um, check out my websites, uh, subs- um, IamSubstantial.com and uh, SubArtMusic.com. Um you know, definitely check those out. I'm also on Bandcamp, substantial.bandcamp.com. Um, all the streaming platforms, you can you just Google substantial, I'll pop up. Um, as far as what's next, uh, you know, um, next uh, music project, I was just talking to the homie T. Lucas. Uh, we have a, um, a song that didn't make our Dirty Sneakers project that we're about to release. It's a remix of a song that we cut from the project that, um, that I produced that's pretty dope um called supreme and so that's coming soon and then we're dropping um a few other remixes from the dirty sneakers project and that's called um dirty sneakers relaced um and so that's coming september followed by the dirty sneakers instrumentals um uh, which will likely be october and then after that is uh what i've uh, not what i've been saying it's actually winter breaks volume two and um yeah and we just uh dropped um this past friday too man um and this is for my my fellow blurs out there my nerds um you know my folk um who in the anime uh because i've been a fan of anime uh most of my life um you could check out this uh cover we did of the song you say run from the um popular anime my hero academia so we just did a fundraiser with that track and that just dropped on friday you can watch the video on youtube um, just search anime gives back again um, and then put in my hero academia i know that's a lot but if you put in that you'll see the video um, it's literally over 80 plus musicians from around the world um, and i'm one of three rappers on there as well and uh, we basically put together that track to raise money for um, unicef um, and before we did a cover from uh, uh, from cowboy bebop uh, of a song called Real Folk Blues, and we raised over fifty thousand dollars for Doctors Without Borders to, to help the uh, pandemic. Wow. So, um, so yeah, man. So a lot of music, you know, I'm out here, you know, what I mean, flexing my superpowers, <laughs> trying, trying my best to heal the world with this music. So definitely more to come. Wow, I'm definitely gonna be looking forward to it, man. Shout out to everyone that tuned in today via youtube we really appreciate the comments and just the views and everything always remember to check us out uh we have a podcast that is a new episode is every friday this episode will also be on our audio podcast and it'll also be back up on friday for you to check out um on youtube sub i wish you all the best in the next steps of your career man like you got so much going on man i'm just like sitting back in awe like wow like as a journalist like i've learned so much about you it's one of the beautiful things that i actually enjoy about doing interviews is like i learned so much more than i thought i knew about the artist and i feel like you know, wow. viewers and listeners will will get that too. And you got some real diehard supporters too, man. So that's that's big Love, ups to man. them, man. Yeah, I appreciate yeah. them, man. Appreciate all y'all. Thank y'all. Yes, yes. So with that said, um, we will be back again on Friday. He said, uh, "Motherland Real Estate Anime Rocks." <laughs>
Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shout out to everybody that tuned in today, man. Joe Sewer Music. Um, who else? Oh, A Level joined my co-host. He was he was on a comment. Warpath, Motherland's Realist. Yep. Sacred Soul Talia Gem. Mr. Chur. Big ups to everyone that tuned in, man. Yeah. Yeah, man. Appreciate y'all, man. Yes, man. Yes, it's su- it's such a pleasure, man. I'm so glad. I feel like you one of those guys that um like I said, the title speaks so mm-hmm. much to you. Like you you've been kind of under the radar in my humble opinion. I don't mm-hmm. think that's maybe that's not the case for everybody, especially uh, like right. the true fans. But I feel like right. you've always been like consistent in your message, but just under the radar. I'm just so glad that I could, you know, have that conversation with you, you know, to help, you know, further expose you to the listeners out there. Man. Yeah, no, nah, I, I, you know, I'm, I appreciate it, man. Yeah. You know, I've definitely, you know, what I mean, I've had, I have, you know, I've had moments through the career where, like, you know, sometimes get a little more spotlight than others. But yeah, you know, it's like if it comes, it comes. If it don't, like, you know, I, you know, I'm just trying to stay on mission. Yeah, you know what I mean, whatever blessings come with that, like, I'm here for it. But like, you know, uh, I can I'm just, sense that. I can definitely yeah. see that with you, and it, it and it speaks to your humility too. You know, like that's something I gotta say is like. You know, you you can't put a price on that. Like that's just ultimate respect. You know, appreciate yeah, it, man. Yeah, thank man, you, and thank you for the. I know it was kind of like last minute. I hit you up. You were able to ride with it, so thank you, man. You hey, man, it's all job. love, man. You do good work, so you know, like I'm, I appreciate you for reaching out. And you know, it's funny when you talked about how like you would play my song and stuff like that. You know, I have certain things set up so I'm able to track certain activity online. And so I would see, I already know, man, like you've been so uh, supportive for years. So indeed. it's a pleasure to finally get to do this with you. And so thank you, brother. Indeed, indeed. So on that note, man, like I said, always keep it locked. Our website is outtheboxmedia.com. Make sure you go visit that. Um, and, you know, just um, make sure you check out our podcast. Like we're on Spotify, we're on Anchor, we're on Google Podcasts. Just look for Out The Box Talks. And we've got a plethora of interviews. My goal, Sub, is to try to make sure that I put out a new episode every week. That's been a that's been a goal for me this year. That's and I have up. not, I haven't broken that yet. I've been able to hit an episode every Friday. That's been oh. like my goal to at least be consistent. If nothing else, mm-hmm. I'm at least doing that. So I think that's I've been dope. doing good with that. And I'm gonna just try to keep pushing on that level. And again, for everyone out there that's been listening, we thank you. And we wish you all the best in, you know, health, happiness, strength, peace, love, and light. And on that note, thank y'all for tuning in and peace. Peace.